Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. One, two, three. What is now? On ESPN Radio. Now, this is one that I don't need any. Well, I, I, I love the education, but this is one that we both vibe on so hard. Anytime that Method Man's on the mic, it doesn't even matter what it is. He's just, he's one of my favorites ever. I love that you got him in the show twice today. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, Rajib Subra kicking it with us. Hey. Uh, like we do every Friday, Hip Hop Lessons. Tell us about it. Well, that was one of the singles off of the Takal album, which was right. one of the first spinoffs of the Wu Tang. Wu Tang, and that um, album was huge. Well, both both albums, both were, albums huge. were huge. Yeah. Um, Wu Tang, to me, I would credit with as being the first super group for sure of rap. We've had duos, we've had trios, but none. You had you had multiple MCs for sure. Who as all, many as what like seven or eight, eight? or yeah. you know i mean because you go you and, got and those, the whole gl- group collabs with somebody else then you got like 10 oh yeah and then there was like the whole killer bees and oh yeah you know all those things but uh to me method man was just <laughs> to me my favorite mc out of individually outside of the Wu-Tang, no just lyric delivery lyrical flow like just would chop it down and actually put Staten Island on the map for the hip-hop world. Like, a lot of people don't understand that these guys were from from the land of Shaolin, a.k.a. Staten Island, New York, and they weren't from the Bronx. They weren't from Brooklyn. They weren't from Compton. Like, uh, had a totally different flavor and flow and just were kind of almost like the sewer rats of hip-hop. Just didn't care. Timbo boots and baggy jeans and, you know, ODB rocking, like, you know, Cheeto stained clothes. Like, it didn't matter. Like... It was, and they, they, they made no apologies for who they are, but for just sure. one of the best beat producers, lyricists, uh, deliveries, flows, love Wu-Tang, and they're still making bangers till today. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, including Rajim's great lessons about Red Man, about Black Moon, uh, you can always find it uh, on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by... Blackfoot Communications, thanks to Blackfoot for all of their various uh, support of all the different things we got going on here at Missoula Broadcasting Thank Company. you. Big shout to Big Deb. Oh, tell us something tonight, which Blackfoot is the presenting sponsor of Absolutely. That. Uh, you were going to that. I have some family in town, so I can't make it, but I'm actually going to be right up the way, so uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll connect afterwards, but either way. Um, That'd be cool. Tell us something at the Paddlehead Stadium, so right in our hood, so uh, should be fun. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's still tickets available. 
It's a bigger venue than Tell Us Something's usually in, so there are more tickets just to be had. So if you want to absolutely go check out a little Tell Us Something uh, Pride Weeks, Pride Month style down there at the Missoula Pilot Stadium, Blackbird Communications presenting that as well as the Nuanas Now podcast. Our podcast also presented by the M Store, where they're all grills all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore. Let's talk about uh, some more about the East West Shrine game. Let's do it. Here's some quick hitters about tomorrow's uh, All Star Showcase. First of all, well, the who, what, when, where, why. It's in Butte, Montana, Naranchi Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff. The why is this is uh, a giant fundraiser for the uh, Shriners Children's Hospital. 76th annual one of these, but pretty much every year over the last 18 to 20 years, this has been one of, if not the top, Shrine games in the country in terms of raising money. Montana has raised more than $100,000, I think. Let's go. Pretty much every year uh, for the last, I think, pretty much the 21st century. Since I've been in sports, I cannot really remember a time when Montana was anywhere outside the top five money raisers and often the number one Shrine game in the country. So that's pretty cool. Keep that up. That's very cool. It's a a cool experience for the guys, too, because not only is it uh, a... Great testament to their accomplishments as as high school football players. True, true. It's sort of a coming-of-age ceremony for them, either their last high school football game or their last high school football game into now this new transition as a college football player. And they also do some volunteer work. They go to the Shriners yeah. Hospital. They hang out with the kids. Yeah. Uh, each team usually gets a handful of kids that are more sort of high-risk kids that they spend more time with. And then they get to kind of connect with those guys, and they get to sign them autographs. And these kids think that, you know, these high school all-stars from Montana are, you know, NFL might guys. as well be Lawrence Taylor and, you know, yeah. Peyton Manning or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's super cool. I think that it's reciprocated, too. I think these guys learn great life lessons while doing that, too. So if you can, go support a great cause. It's not only going to be a great football game with a lot of intriguing storylines, which we'll get to, but uh, it goes for a great cause. I think it's a really cool experience for anybody that gets to play in a Shrine game. Yeah, it's actually, you know, you're always playing to win. You're or playing for a championship or something like that, but in this case, you're playing for a cause, and the cause are kids. And uh, that that takes a different tenor on completely as a player, as a coach, as a community member, and a fan of the game within. And I, I totally support games like this. I make donations to this out of my own pocket. Um, I think that this is a really, really important cause, let alone a really important game. Um, and I like the thing about transition. Like Something like this can, cha- can change one of those kids' lives that are you know, needing the services and supports of the Shriners game, but also uh, for these young football players and sometimes the coaches to see a different walk of life understands how privileged we are just to have the abilities to play this great game. For sure. Um, and, it, it, and it allows a different insight. Like One of these guys may become a doctor or a nurse or a therapist or something because of how life-altering experiences like this can be. So go support it. Support our boys. Support our kids. Support our hospitals. Support each other. Support our community. You know I'm always going to get behind that. Shameless plug. Pay me now. (laughs) No, just paying. Um, Go and support it. Good times. And best of luck to the kids. And you travel safe, Coulter. Of course. Uh, The who's who of what's going on here. Uh, First, the coaching staffs. The East team, East All-Stars, led by Derek Lear, uh, coach Lear was an outstanding NAIA player up there at Montana State Northern and then has been the head coach there at Fergus High for the last couple of years there in Lewistown. Uh, Matt Vantreska, his associate head coach, is the uh, another one of the, the uh, assistants here uh, for the East team. Hunter Chandler from Gallatin High, uh, Daryl Debolt of Haver High, Matt Triplett of Belt High, and Jake Elridge of Haver High make up the, uh, the East coaching staff. By the way, Lewistown, of course, undefeated last year and the Class A state champions. The West Squad, headed up by Kyle Mahelish, the head coach of Helena Capital. 
Matt Rayant of Helena Capital, also on this staff. Zach McCray of Dillon High, who was, a, I guess it's Beaver County High School, but from Dillon, Montana, a guy that was a great player there in high school, a guy that mentored uh, Troy Anderson when he was there at Beaverhead County High School uh, on this coaching staff. Pat Duchesne, uh, the, the senior version of Pat Duchesne, he's the head coach there at Florence High School. Todd Hughes of Missoula Loyola, uh, a great Missoula guy, and uh, that's interesting. That'd be fun for those guys, Patrick Shane and, and uh, Todd Hughes. Certainly amicable, but those guys—it's a big rivalry. Uh, oh, huge! Florence and and, oh, huge. Uh, and, and Loyola, just and, a little and, bit. I mean, and they played for the state championship this last year oh, in Class yeah. B. So that'd be funny to see those guys uh, with each other. Carson Oakland, who's the head coach there. Uh, up in St. Ignatius at uh, Mission High School, is also on uh, this staff. Wynn Randall of Helena and then Daryl Story and Jeff Hartwick uh, of Butte are also on the uh, the West staff. Some highlights from the roster. Uh, we'll start with the West. We gave you the breakdown of some of the uh, Western Montana guys um, from Missoula and the Bitterroot Valley. There's also a couple, uh, and there's actually three Butte guys playing for the West this year. Jay Stenson, who's headed to Montana Tech. Cameron Guernsey, uh, who's headed to Montana. Both those guys are um, Butte high guys. Uh, And then you also got Kyle Holter, a cornerback from Butte Central, who's headed to Montana Tech as well. So got some Butte flavor. The West also highlighted by five, count them, five former Helena Capital guys. Capital was so good this last year. They had uh, multiple Division I prospects. Running back Tom Carter is headed to the Cats. Nick Michelotti, who's a safety, he's headed to Montana Tech. He's nice. Talon Marsh, the Gatorade Player of the Year out of Helena Capital, he is headed to uh, Montana State as well, like Tom Carter. And then you got the two guys coming to the Grizzlies as well, Austin Beeler, who's an offensive lineman uh, out of Capital, and then Hayden Opitz, who's a tight end. But uh, probably TBD in terms of his position at Montana because he's a pretty versatile guy. I think he can play on both sides of the ball. Got Montana. So you got two future Cats, two future Grizz, and then a, a future uh, Ore Digger as well there on the West roster, all just from Helena Capital. Pretty impressive. I mean, that's why Helena Capital went undefeated. They got four Division One guys, but that's a that's a formidable amount no matter what year you're talking about in the state of Montana. Yeah, the same thing. We uh, we did the same thing two years in a row at Sentinel. Like, when you win state championships, it's because you have the dudes and the dogs at every position. So that's just a great uh, representation of a very amazing run last year that Helena had. And a testament to their kids and their coaching staff. Uh, well done, well played, well deserved, and earned. The uh, other highlights for the uh, the West roster. I mean, and everybody in this game is uh, is a great highlight. I'm just giving you sort of the the easiest to follow storylines. The low hanging fruits, if you will. By the way, if you want to watch this, I'm not going to go down the. I'm not going to trip down how mad I am that it's not being broadcast uh, on radio or television, but. Uh, it will be streamed on copperheadcountry.org. That's our guy, Blake Hempstead, who's one of our contributing photographers at Skyline Sports. Also the go-to guy for uh, Southwest Montana small school sports. High priority on Anaconda. That's where he's from. But Paul Podesco will be on the call there on copperheadcountry.org. Paul, a great uh, radio broadcaster from Butte, a multiple-time uh, radio broadcaster of the year. He and I were both finalists for the Sportscaster of the Year Award, and Paul's all, always so gracious to compete with uh, and against. So he'll be on the call, and you can find the stream on copperheadcountry.org if you want to watch these guys. Uh, we sort of blew through this because we were trying to just get as many names as we could in an hour number one. There's a couple of Missoula Sentinel Spartans playing in this game. Oh, yeah, I know Clu- a couple of those cats. C- including a couple of guys you coached for, for for quite a while. Yes, sir. Uh, so just tell us about Adam Jones and J.J. Dolan. I know you've talked about them before, but uh, 
both these young men have done a lot to make themselves even better on their way to the college ranks now. Both of them headed to Montana State. Uh, I'll, I'll start with uh, with Adam Jones. Adam Jones is just a, a, an outstanding He's a great athlete, but better than that, he's an outstanding young man. Uh, very soft-spoken, yet well-spoken. Uh, a, a, a quiet leader of young men and just a phenomenal athlete on top of that. Uh, Adam Jones was always going to be destined for some collegiate program for sure. somewhere in America. Baseball, it was just, football. Bingo, or hockey. Yeah, it was right. just a matter of what sport, you know, what what ace do you want to lay down? So um, Adam Jones is a, is, a, is a huge, huge pickup for, uh, Monta- for the Bobcats over at Montana State. Great kid. Uh, athletically and more so academically too like he brings something to you know from the classroom onto the field so uh montana state's in for a treat uh jj dolan you know as a coach you're not supposed to have a favorite kid but i absolutely love this young man love his father his mother is one of my favorite just like community members of all time um this kid's just salty like if if if, if, when you look at him you may be like well he's he's not the biggest he's not the fastest he's just the most effective and um He's 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 going to bring a lot of uh, intensity and just um, a nose for the ball and knowing where to be and how to be. Mike Motz is uh, the defensive coordinator of Sentinel has really natured and nurtured this young man into molding him. And then when you look at the bloodlines of who his father was, who his grandfather was, like the name Dolan is strong in the world of high school and college football in the state of Montana. So, for sure, um, you know just. He's doing his thing. So Adam and JJ, good luck going forward. Stay healthy. Uh, stay true to yourself. Stay happy. And remember that you're playing the greatest game outside of cribbage and chess ever created <laughs> on this planet. And I'm very happy and proud for them and, and, and of them as well. The, other, uh, the third Sentinel Spartan played on the West Rosser, Dominic Umale, who's headed to Montana Tech as well. Uh, the quarterbacks for the West squad, a couple really prolific guys who won a bunch of football games over the last couple of years. I feel like Jarrett Wilson was on our Treasure State Stars pretty much every single week because he's throwing for <laughs> 350 and four touchdowns and a bag of chips pretty much every Friday night for Polson High School. Uh, they had, I think, uh, undoubtedly one of the great passing offenses in the state of Montana this last year and went on a nice playoff run. And the other quarterback for the West is Patrick Duchesne, who's a kid from Florence, Montana. First time I saw him was when he was a sophomore, I, I thought it took me till halftime to realize he wasn't a senior because he was so advanced. And then he took a great next step as a junior, and I was like, that guy's D1 all the way. And then he took another great step after losing pretty much all of his skill players to various levels of college football and uh, carried Florence to another, a second consecutive, Class B state championship. Uh, two-part question for you, Rajim. Yes, sir. Because uh, I know you've you, you seen Duchesne before, especially because of the Florence-Loyola rivalry. Yes, sir. What do you think of this kid's talent? But also, uh, I thought it was crazy that his recruitment was basically one-sided, and it was only Montana State where he's going that gave him much interest at all. The, the Grizz the Florida with it a little bit, but not really, and the Cats went all the way in on this kid. I am just, I just think that that's just crazy because, you know, do I think that Patrick Duchesne Jr. is going to be, you know, some first-team all-big sky quarterback? I don't know. That, that's up to him whether he wants to fulfill his potential or Agreed. not. But he's a Division One caliber player. Absolutely. The, the, the startling part is that Florence is 20 minutes away. So to have that kid like that not go to the University of Montana is very interesting to me. And I think a lot of it came down to opportunity. I also think a lot of it came down to the momentum that Montana State, we'll get to more on this in a minute. But, I mean, first of all, just tell me what you think of Patrick Duchesne as a prospect. The fact that he left Missoula County to go play collegiate football somewhere else. Shame on you, University of Montana. For sure. Like that's like you just don't you don't let a kid like that walk out of your backyard. Like there's there's just certain things that like He's a he's a really good kid. He's too. a he's really good off, kid. That's come, the other he's part of it. He's come on the yeah. show a couple times. Um 
he he's he's uh, a really com- edgy competitor. That's what I like about him. Like fiery. He knows how to toe the line. He's not cocky. Not but at he's, all. But he's very, very confident. confident. I love having him on the show because he definitely knows how to talk the talk. And that's what you want. You want somebody assertive as your signal caller. So I'm just impressed with like his maturity, sort of as a as a prospect to translate. I think he's going to translate to college pretty good. Both because of his skill set, but also just because of the way he carries himself. I agree with that. And I would also say, going back to something we were talking about on the NBA segment, uh, people who make those around you better. For sure. And when I look at one, I would say his junior year was a lull, not necessarily for him, but what he had around him, yet he still made those components for sure. better than the average bear. And I, I mean, think, they had four skill guys that went on to play college football, so they were certainly they were stacked. I mean, they, they were throwing right. the ball all over the place. Right, and then that next year, you know, he still made those guys, you know, not as, not as good as the predecessors, but still good enough. And uh, I just think that he has a lot of moxie. You can't coach moxie either. You either have it or you don't. And I just... Just, I, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for this young man going forward. I'm just constantly scratching my head, like, how is this guy not wearing maroon and silver next year? Some highlights to us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and our ESPN MT app. This is our Prep Extra, presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Some highlights from the uh, East roster. Uh, a couple future college athletes... First, the football players. Cade Boyd was a guy who signed with Montana Tech, but then uh, got an opportunity later in the recruiting game and flipped it. Now he's coming to the University of Montana. He's out of Billings Central. Uh, not sure what he's going to play for the Grizz. I believe he's a preferred walkout, but it's still a great opportunity for a kid out of Class A. The quarterbacks in this game, uh, there's three of them uh, on the east side. Cole Taylor, who's headed to Montana State, likely going to play defense there for the Cats, so he gets one last Go around at uh, quarterback, uh, the CMR product does. Jay Casagranda, who was a great player at Bozeman High this last year, he's headed mm-hmm. to Montana Tech. And then Gage Norslian, who was the uh, quarterback of the state champions in Class A, Fergus High School, the Golden Eagles. So three uh, signal callers there for the, uh, the east side. Other college-bound prospects, Royce Robinson, who joined us yesterday, he's playing for the east squad as a wide receiver. Certainly his last football game, because he now has an opportunity to go play basketball at Montana State uh, this upcoming year. So a good opportunity for him after the uh, sort of abrupt resignation of Kurt Paulson at Carroll College. Royce Robinson reopened his recruitment. Montana State's got a new head coach. All of a sudden, Matt Logie's got an offer. And Royce Robinson uh, headed to MSU as a preferred walk-on. So I always love seeing small-town guys get chances at the Division I level in basketball. Luke Smith... And uh, Everett Carr, a couple, couple more Bozeman high guys that are each going uh, to Montana State to play football as well. And uh, let's see, is there any? Oh, and Hunter Charbonneau, who's headed to Montana State. Uh, he is from Fairview, Montana. Kyle Mahelish, the head coach of Capital, he came on the show yesterday as well. And he dropped a, a startling stat. Of the 41 guys on his West roster, only one young man is playing in his last high school football game on Saturday. 40 out of the 41 are going to the college ranks at some level or another. I'm not 100% sure what the number is for the East squad, but I do. I mean, we just highlighted half of it in terms of guys that are going on to play at the college level. And I would say conservatively, probably three quarters of it. So I think you could say probably about 80% of the guys in this game are going to play college football. What do you think that says about the level of high school football in Montana and also sort of some of the opportunities these guys are choosing to embrace? Well, I, 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 I'm going to answer that question in a, in, in a, 
three in a thrice manner. Um, one, it says that, co- that high school football in Montana, regardless of level, double A, A, B, and C, both eight man and six man, it's getting better. Athletes are just getting better. Um, what it also says is that recruiting is getting better. Like people who are putting the energy and effort to getting these kids looked at, um, technology is advanced. Like these kids are being seen outside of the state of Montana and they're being seen twice as much within the state. You know, you're looking at Montana Tech's Western, you know, the Northern schools, uh, Carol. I think it's great. What it also says, coaches are doing their jobs. For sure. And I and I think that a lot of times we, we, we talk about players and we talk about systems, but um, coaches are also coaching their butts off For sure. to get these kids to that next level. When you look at the numbers, of, regardless of the school, if you have five or six kids going annually, collegiately for a yep. certain sport, and you're just pumping kids out to that, that D2 and higher level, coaches are coaching their butts off to put their kids in successful situations. Regime Seabrook, joining me, Coulter Nuanas here hey. in uh, studio on your Friday. So true. You'll appreciate this, though, as a guy who's coached football for so long and are sort of an offensive-minded guy by nature. You, you called a lot of plays there at Missoula Sentinel, very lev- various levels of their football program, and at some of your other coaching stops as well. The spread offense is, is flashy, but it's also way simpler in a lot of ways than offenses used to be because you can just sort of memorize patterns. It also gives so many more opportunities for so many different types of athletes. Mm -hmm. It used to be if you weren't big enough, strong enough, and tough enough to play on the field, you had no role on a football team, especially in rural places like Montana where everybody was just ground and pound and it was just physical. You know, Who has the most 220-pound guys? Let's just shove each other around. And there was no real finesse to it at all. Mm -hmm. Now you can have so many guys that can have opportunity to get on the field because of their mental ability as well as their physical abilities because of the way that the spread has evolved. That's where I see this sort of evolving. Forever, the cliche in Montana was, it doesn't matter if you're the Cats, the Grizz, Montana Tech, Carroll College, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to find your 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 fronts. You're basically going to get your your big boys from Montana. You got to get your arms and your legs from outside of Montana. Now, most of these guys we're talking about that are going to college are the running backs, the receivers, the quarterbacks, DBs. The, the safeties. Yeah. It's because of the evolution of football in Montana as well. I think that there's more sort of quote-unquote normal-sized athletes getting opportunities because the style of football in general has just changed not only in Montana but across the country. I agree with that. I also think that you are better able to, due to the design of how people, humans, period, are becoming more athletic regardless of sport. For sure. You're able to strategize and use players uh, to their strengths and capitalize more now than you were to say 20 years ago. For sure. And I think that... And there's uh, such a higher priority on space and that makes things a little bit easier. That that, and then also the 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 when I look at the coaches that are coaching in the state of Montana, they had success as as players. So well, they, that's the other thing that, is there's been this new wave of young coaches, exactly. right? Like, I mean, Coach Mahelish is a veteran, but he's still you know he's not like a, a quote unquote old, old coach. coach. But like Derek Lear is young; he's probably in his late twenties or early thirties. Mm-hmm. I mean, is Dane Oliver even forty yet? I mean, you have uh, a lot, he turned forty this past yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. have a lot of guys. I mean, and Coach O's been doing it for ten years there at Missoula Central, at least maybe even longer. 13. Sure. So that's the other part is you have this influence of young offensive minds. A lot of them that played offensive positions at the college level in Montana then became coaches. And understanding how to put certain plays. It's like, okay, you're 6'4". We're going to line you up against the outside. You know, like whatever that player is. Right. And they they procure and garner uh, not only attention, but also just the affordability of, of being able to be highlighted because sure. of, of the minds that are going into it. So um, hats off to all the coaches across the great state of the 406 of putting our young men within the game of football. Ball into much more successful places. So let's go up with Montana boys. 
A couple other uh, notes here on the uh, East-West Shrine game. We, we told you, but here's just sort of the tail of the tape in terms of just the D1 guys that will be playing in this game. The West roster, they feature future Bobcats. Uh, Tom Carter, who is the AA Offensive Player of the Year at Helena Capital. Talon Marsh, who is the Gatorade Player of the Year as a defensive end out of Helena Capital. Adam Jones and J.J. Dolan, who we just talked about, both from Missoula Sentinel. Pat Duchesne, the quarterback from Florence. Uh, Jonathan Lumen out of Florence as well, who's headed to MSU. And then Coulter Petrie, who's a safety out of Helena High, who's going to the Bobcats. The East roster features future Bobcats. Cole Taylor, who's playing quarterback in this game, but will probably play defense at Montana State. Melstone linebacker Bryce Greeby, who's the younger brother of Brody Greeby, and uh, just had an outstanding finish to his high school career there at Melstone, won multiple uh, Class C state championships in the throws. He looks like a great uh, sort of diamond-in-the-rough-type prospect out of Class C headed to MSU. Luke Smith, a tight end out of Bozeman High, and then his uh, former Hawk teammate Everett Carr, who's an offensive lineman out of Bozeman High, going to the Cats. And then Fairview defensive end Hunter Charbonneau, also going to Montana State. Future Grizz in this game, Cameron Guernsey of Butte, who'll play for the West. Libby linebacker Cy Stevenson. Capital offensive lineman Austin Beeler. And uh, Helena Capital tight end Bruin, uh, excuse me, uh, Hayden Opitz. And uh, then future Grizz for the East include just just one, Cade Boyd uh, of Billing Central. So uh, last question here on this subject, Rajim, as you sort of total this whole thing up, that's a lot of guys. Playing, of, playing, the, playing this game that are going to Montana State, and only a smattering of guys playing in this game that are going to Montana. Uh, your thoughts uh, just on that dynamic? Uh, well, I don't want the FCC to ask for some money, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I'll tell you off air. But my politically correct response is, I don't know what's going on with that. That is a huge disparity of kids going across the state. Well, so let me give you some factors here. I, yes. think, I think first of all. Montana State is 24-4 and four over the last two years. They've been to the FCS Final Four three years in a row. Pretty attractive. They, they played a national championship in 2021. They're coming off an undefeated Big Sky Conference championship season, and they beat the Grizz five out of the last six years. I think that beating the Grizz five out of the last six years is mean, huge. I, I would say that you could pretty much track the pendulum of the in-state recruiting battle based on the recent history of the rivalry. Well, what's happened over the last six to eight years, that's what the high school kids are going to remember. That's going to be a very attractive swinging point for absolutely. that program. The Grizz were the ones in the driver's seat in this element recruiting in-state kids for 20 years. And now Montana State has sort of swung it on them over these last six to eight. It's it's just interesting to analyze. Well, it also well they, they, then you also have to zoom out of the world of athletics and look at academics as well. When you look at the programs that are being offered, kids... Liberal liberal arts schools are dying, and and, 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 and then you also and, add in the momentum of Bozeman as a university and as a town too. Bingo, you know it's not, attractive. It's not a, not only is Adam Jones and JJ Dolan going to go play with some of their teammates, but there's probably a whole bunch of other classmates and kids from Missoula that are going of, over there because the enrollment's twice as high as it is at the University of Montana. Absolutely, those boys will be walking down the street, you know, with with classmates from three to four years ago, especially with the guys that are still lingering around from the COVID years. For sure. So, Rylan Ort, Zach Cruz, mo- uh, multiple former Spartans on the, the Bobcat team as well. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, culture shift and paradigm and all within the same breath. But there's just a lot of uh, things that are attracting the younger kids to that campus right now, um, both athletically and academically and socially. Well said. Thank you. Who is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We planned on talking NBA right off the top. We got to one team. I got 10 <laughs> other teams I want to ask Rajiv about. So we'll do that next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. So I have an uh, incredibly embarrassing story. First of all, Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Uh, Rajim Seabrook was in studio, but he's got to actually run. Uh, he's headed on down to the uh, tell us something down there at the Paddleheads Field, and had some stuff to do beforehand. So we will forge on without our guy. But I appreciate him swinging in. Andrew Houghton and I will take you home here on your Friday talking some NBA. Uh, but Andrew, first of all, I probably I don't know if I ever even told you this story, but um, when I was in middle school. That's when America Online basically ruled the internet world. The only way to get an internet connection was AOL. And you had to like dial it up and it's on a modem and dial on your phone. The internet was so slow. It was so archaic compared to what it is now. But a revolutionary addition to AOL was the AOL Instant Messenger. This gave you a chance when you're like in seventh grade to talk to all your buddies and also to all the girls at school, and you didn't have to call them. You didn't have to muster up the courage to call them. This was a revolutionary thing for, you know, 13- and 14-year-old me. Also at that time, though, I considered myself quite a uh, rap and hip-hop aficionado, and I thought I was so cool for being one of the only kids at school that not only knew about artists like DMX, but also had multiple of his albums. I became completely enthralled with DMX because he was the biggest hip-hop guy in the world in the probably for about a three-year span there in the late 1990s and early 2000s. That album, the Rough Rider Anthem album, uh, his second album and then there was X. It's uh, it, it, something about it's hot and then something and it's hot in hell or something. They had a three-album run in about four years where each of the three albums went number one. They were all smash hits. I became so infatuated with DMX, I thought he was so cool, that I made my AOL Instant Messenger screen name Rough Riders 56 And then for our eighth grade art project at Hellgate Middle School, you have to make a tile basically commemorating yourself or like just something about yourself. I painted the cover of And Then There Was X and put DMX's logo on it and then signed my name right down the the uh, side swipe of the X. So still to this day, at Hellgate Elementary, Coulter Nuanez has a DMX tablet. 
<laughs> hanging up there. It's actually not that embarrassing now that I say it. I actually feel very impressed that 14-year-old me was just rocking out to DMX. I'm sure my mother was horrified. I don't think my dad had any clue what was going on. He certainly didn't know who DMX was. Uh, but retrospectively, uh, certainly a funny story. But, I mean, DMX was like the man in rap music for like three or four years. Yeah, he had a run longer than I think a lot of people remember him for. Cause he had- I mean, didn't three straight albums debut at number one? I mean, I think he was like the first artist since Michael Jackson or something to have three consecutive albums debut at number one. That's what I'm saying. Nobody does that anymore. And I think if you reduce him down to like a number of hits, like uh, what we were just listening to, the Rough Riders anthem, uh, like X gonna give it to you. There are a few song, DMX songs that everybody knows, but that just sort of obscures uh, how big of a run that he was on for a while there. Uh, I don't think that's an embarrassing story, aside from just the the AOL part. <laughs> Like, right. that that is when you came of age to use the internet was back when AOL happened. I think, in fact, probably the tile at Hellgate Elementary, that could be uh, a tourist destination <laughs> in a couple of years. Oh, man, I, I hope so, and I hope not, all at the same time. Nuance <laughs> now, ESPN Radio. I'm telling you, okay, so you're, you're growing up, you're coming of age, and, you know, doesn't matter who you end up with or how you end up. When you're like 13 or 14 or 15 years old, you're deciding, okay, I'm going to communicate with the opposite sex for the first time. And this is a very daunting and very uh, scary thing. Well, I'm old enough where, when, when I, you know, I remember like when I first was wanting to call a girl when I'm like 12 or 13 years old. I don't have a cell phone. She doesn't have a cell phone. Even if we had cell phones, they probably wouldn't work. We can't text each other. So I got to call her landline. There's a pretty much 100% chance one of her parents answers. You're praying that it's the mom and not the dad. If it's the dad, then you're like, hello, Mr. Smith. Can I please talk to so-and-so? Then you get a little bit more courage. I remember when I was like 13 and 14, I called a couple of the girls around the neighborhood all the time, you know, just to talk. You're a teenager or whatever. And, uh, a couple of their dads got so annoyed that they got them their own landline. Well, now this is money. Now you can call them at any time. It's so funny thinking back on it because these these people live like five minutes from my house. Why did I just walk over there and just hang out with them? Nope, got to call them on their landline in their bedroom so you can talk on the phone. I'm telling you that it's good for kids to learn how to do that because now I think maybe you just get their Snapchat and you just message each other. I don't know. There's not like that same entry point, like that thrill of having to call and ask the dad to talk to your girl. It's so funny. No, absolutely not. My generation never dealt with that because it was texting and then the other big thing was like Facebook. Right. You got Facebook when you're like 12 or 13 or whatever and then you could chat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was right around that age. Yeah. I don't know what the kids do do these days, (laughs) but yeah, it's definitely a lot easier for me than it was for you. I don't, I can't really remember ever calling like a girl's house landline to talk, oh, yeah. to to have to be able to talk with them. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. At the US Open, Ricky Fowler's making the turn. He's three under today and eleven under in the tournament. He's two strokes clear of everybody. Xander Shaffley, who also shot sixty two like Fowler did yesterday, he's at one under today. Uh so he's nine under overall uh, headed into hole nine. Couple of the best rounds in the clubhouse already. Wyndham Clark is in at 9-under after shooting a 67 today. Rory McIlroy in at 8-under after shooting a 67 today as well. So uh, some low scores there uh, at the U.S. Open. 
Uh, here's what we're going to do. I do want to do some quick hitters here about the NBA. We'll take one more break, and we'll be back right after this. What are the offseason priorities for many of the best contenders in the National Basketball Association? We shall discuss next. ESPN Radio Missoula. Little slow jam, Ghostface Killer, sticking on the East Coast. Thanks, Raj, for the playlist. Rajim Seabrook joined us most of today's Nuanas now. But just me and Andrew Houghton taking you home here on your Friday. Thanks for kicking it on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Missed anything in today's show? You can always find it. On the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com, the M Store, where they're all grills all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org for all of your blue and gold needs. Let's talk some NBA, Andrew. We can uh, hash this out, flesh this out more next week. Uh, but we talked about the Nuggets. Um, I mean, what, first of all, what do you think of our analysis there? They're certainly probably going to lose some role player pieces, but they do have their two uh, sort of centerpieces in Jokic and Murray locked up. Uh, how big of a contender should the Nuggets be next year? Should they be the favorites coming into next season? Yeah, Nuggets, I think, have to be the favorites coming into next season. They're pretty well set up for a team that just won the championship. I mean, they're going to lose some role players, but also, uh, you know, Christian Brown this year, he was a rookie this year, so they've got another yeah. couple years on his deal. You can tell that they are committed to keeping this window open for as wide as possible. Uh, they just traded, I think, their 2029 first-round pick to the Thunder to get into the first round again this year. So they should have a couple more rookies coming in mm -hmm. this year. Uh, I love the point that you guys made about like having Nikola Jokic makes it a lot easier to build a roster. That's right. Because he accentuates everybody's strengths and he papers over everybody's weaknesses, particularly on offense. Uh, in fact, especially on offense and exclusively on offense. So I, I think, you know, they're going to look a little bit different next year. But, I mean, with what Nikola Jokic just did, I think it'd be hard for me to say that they shouldn't be the favorites every year they have Jokic and Jamal Murray healthy. Well, they also, so much of, of repeating as champions or chasing another championship is battling the disease of more, like Pat Riley talks about. Jokic and Murray are both so unselfish that that's not going to necessarily be as big of a factor for this team. No, and again, the same thing is you have Jokic, so you have a lot of choice in your role players. If right. any of the role players from this year start to, to feel that a little bit more, right. start thinking, you know, KCP starts thinking that he should get more shots or, or Bruce Brown or any one of those guys, I think you can pretty easily jettison them and, and bring in somebody else to approximate that role. I'm watching this great documentary on HBO about Shaq. It's four parts. I just watched the third part last night. And it's just so funny. Shaq's one of my all-time great favorite athletes ever. But also, you just forget just the sort of circus that Shaq had around him. And, you know, like, for example, when the Shaq-Kobe Lakers won their first one, you had to do massive control of the disease of more with Shaq and Kobe and the whole rest of that roster. I mean, it's Hollywood. It's Phil Jackson. All these different things. There's so much exposure on it. Also, though, then Shaq himself, every time he had an accomplishment – he would celebrate even more and work even less. And so, you know, by the time they're the two-time defending champions, Shaq just doesn't even pay attention to his health at all for an entire offseason and then decides like a week into the year, oh, yeah, I hurt my toe last year in the playoffs. I'm just going to have surgery now. He basically skipped the entire offseason, uh, 
when he could have been recovering and, and you know, didn't return till, till midseason. The Nuggets, having superstars like Jokic, that, that's just not going to happen. The biggest question, I, I think that probably the, the second favorite coming into next year, at least on paper, probably is the Boston Celtics and should be the Boston Celtics, but they have a lot of question marks. So where are we at with the Celtics? I think next year is going to be a really big prove-it year for the Boston Celtics. I think that, you know, this is a team that has had a long runway, right? Because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were so clearly going to be stars in the NBA from when they were so young. Yep. Right from when they came into the league, it was obvious that these guys are both going to be shot-creating good defensive wings, which is like the best archetype of a player that you can have in the NBA. So they got a lot of developmental runway yeah sort of in the media and in the narrative over you know it's been it's been 5 years now that that's the thing is most yeah call them like eras or I guess windows most windows in the NBA are are usually between four and eight years long. It's really hard to have an eight-year window, though. Usually your window... Because nobody is a star at 22. Nobody... Jason Tatum is the rare guy who you can say, I think this guy can be the best player on a championship team when he was 22 years old. Right. Whether it's the Shaq, Kobe Lakers, or even like those Steve Nash Suns teams. I mean, we could rattle off franchise after franchise, but the, the, the it's usually about roughly four to six years that your actual window is... That's why I think that it's such a, an interesting decision for the Celtics. There's never really been a team that's had their era before the guys really came of age. So, like, the optimistic side wants to believe, well, you could just do it for five more years. The pessimistic side makes you believe their window's already closed. They need to figure out something else. They've already been to their ceiling. I mean, this team's in the conference finals every year. They've only been in the finals once. They've won no titles. So can they move forward with this core, or is that their ceiling? I think you got to move forward with this core. I think you just have to, I mean. You do, because you already paid Tatum. And and Brown was a second-team All-NBA guy, and that's going to cost you a bunch of money, but you just have to do it. You have to pay him. Yeah, and you can't throw away something that's really, really good in search of something that's perfect. I get it. They haven't won the title yet. That's what success in the NBA is measured right. by. But Like, what if Jason Tatum doesn't roll his ankle in Game 7? Maybe you're in the championship, right. and maybe you beat you know the Nuggets. Who knows? But you know they're, they're closer than almost everybody else in the league. And I think you can convince yourself, especially seeing the Nuggets do a, a five-year building process here, right, that every year... You don't win the title. It's another stepping stone, right? It's another brick in the wall. It's another thing that's going to bring you closer eventually to getting it done. I think there's some real issues with with fit on that team. I think it's going to be really difficult when Jalen Brown's Supermax contract kicks in to have as deep a a team and a roster around them as they've had. I think there's some real questions that are going to have to be answered there. I think you got to do it anyway. They also luck out because several of their role players are old. So they can just they can move on for those guys and probably find cheaper options, right? Like Marcus Smart's probably getting toward the end of his prime contributions. Al Horford's best days are certainly behind him. Robert Williams is a guy that's going to garner some money at some point from somewhere, but you know he's not an irreplaceable piece. What do we think of the Bucks? I thought I was standing on the table. I thought the Bucks were the overwhelming favorites to win the title this year. Then they get beat by in five games by the Miami Heat. The Bucs, though, have one of, probably the best starting place of anybody in the entire NBA besides the Nuggets because they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Where are we at with Milwaukee? I think you got to consider Milwaukee as the favorites come out of the East next year. At least that's where they're starting for me. I know I just said a lot of good things about Boston, but I think that 
Milwaukee is in is in a really really good place, and of course, the thing that we're worried about with Milwaukee, aside from you know the new head coach and Adrian Griffin, there's always going to be questions there. A guy who doesn't have any head coaching experience, a guy who's been an assistant coach. Of course, there are going to be questions there. I think the other big question for Milwaukee because they are one of the older rosters among these contenders is health. But I think that if if you get Giannis, if you get Chris Middleton, and if you get Drew Holiday healthy in in the spring during the playoff run, I'm pretty inclined to look at this year's loss as, as a blip and to consider Milwaukee as, as one of the real top teams in the league. I totally agree. I, and I think right now the futures bets on Milwaukee are to have them as like the fourth favorite for the NBA title. I'm definitely going to try to get them early because I do think that they are certainly one of the two biggest contenders for the NBA title. I think title. they're right up there with the Nuggets, and if not right on that same tier, they're they're 1B to the Nuggets 1A. How about the Lakers? There's a lot of scuttle right now that the Lakers are going to try to go get a big splash in, in – uh, in the offseason, whether it's through free agency or through a trade, the two biggest names that have been mentioned to come to uh, you know the Lake Show with LeBron James and Anthony Davis are Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving. I don't know about either of those in terms of fit. I also don't know either of those in terms of can the Lakers actually make that happen. What do you think of those rumors? Well, I think there's, there is an opportunity there to upgrade that point guard spot, right? Because I think D'Angelo Russell got exposed a little bit in the playoffs. I think that, you know, D'Angelo Russell's lack of shot making, he shot very poorly For sure. in several of those series. I think there is an opportunity there. Man, I'm not sure which of those guys I'd rather roll the dice. I mean, I, I do know. I'd rather roll the dice on Damian Lillard yeah. than, than Kyrie Irving, even with Dame's age. Uh, I think it would be really interesting to see Damian Lillard on a real contender where he is not the number one guy. I think that would be potentially a really interesting fit and potentially a very good fit. I don't know if the Lakers have the assets to get either of those moves done, right? I mean, the trade they swung at the trade deadline to bring in Malik Beasley and bring in Vanderbilt, uh, that took a lot of their assets. Right, that's they, right. They don't have any assets. They got to pay Austin Reeves, so where's the where's the, where's the the cap coming from? I think, you know, again, if you're the Lakers, you got to run it back. You got to pay Austin Reeves. Yeah. And I think that tops you out as a second-tier contender. Yeah, that's right. You got one more year of LeBron. That's it. No one is now ESPN Radio. How about the Warriors? It's so funny because the narrative coming out of their championship last year was, oh, the down years were only a blip in the radar. The dynasty continues. But now coming out of this season, you're thinking, well, maybe last year was actually an anomaly as sort of a post-era championship. And now maybe the the, uh, the Warriors are cooked. What do we think of, of Golden State? Well, kind of like the Boston Celtics, I think this is sort of a the put-up-or-shut-up year for Golden State, just in terms of uh, not that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond and Steve Kerr have anything to prove like the Celtics do, but I think this is the offseason you really have to pick. Are we keeping it rolling and going all-in with the old guys, or are we trying to transition into a new era? Uh, and, you know, there's been all this sort of uh, media attention paid to Joe Lacob saying, you know, we had a chance to, to do two timelines here. We have a chance to contend in the present and build for the future. I think it's clear that they don't quite have the volume of young talent to do that. So I think you either got to trade the young talent that you do have, and they traded James Wiseman at the trade deadline. But I think you got to look tra- at trade very seriously at trading Jonathan Kaminga. Yep in the offseason, and getting a piece in there who can uh, help you right now, 
Or you got to look maybe at, at where do we stand with Draymond? Where do we stand with Clay Thompson? I don't think Steph is ever getting traded out of Golden State. Nope. But where do we stand with some of the other guys who have been around for a long time? I mean, maybe what, what can you get for Andrew Wiggins? How funny is it going to be when Draymond Green's retirement tour, and he's just up there causing all sorts of havoc for, for nobody to watch, Comes with the Detroit Pistons. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> don't know if Draymond gets a retirement tour per se, but I know what no, you're I, saying. I don't I, think he's getting right. uh, he, he, celebrated in arenas around the league. His fall off is going to be so sharp that he's not going to have a lot of options, and I can't wait for him to go back to where he's from. It's just going to be hilarious. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying anybody besides Detroit's going to celebrate him. Detroit and Oakland, those are the places that are going to celebrate Draymond Green. I don't think he'll have a problem with that. Coulter, 30 seconds here. I actually think he'd be a decent fit on that young Detroit Pistons For team. Sure. It's just like the old grizzled veteran, if he can tone it down a little bit and teach the young guys uh, the ropes a little bit in a couple years. We'll see what the Warriors do. I think they do try to keep this window open for as long as possible. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Pride Month. Happy uh, Pride Weekend. There's a Pride Parade in Missoula downtown. Uh, we'll have a float in it. We'll see you on Monday. Nuanas Now at ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.